I think my inner child wants to take over the world. This is a quote by Mark Foster. Here's another one. A child who does not play is not a child. But the man who does not play has forever lost the child who lived in him. And this one is by Pablo Neruda. Here's one last one. It sounds corny, but I've promised my inner child that never again will I ever abandon myself for anything or anyone else again. And this one is by Wynonna Judd. These are three insightful quotes about the oh-so-dear, the oh-so-cherished inner child. What if I told you that the you that you were as a child is still very much alive, very much with you, and very much still a huge part of you? But of course, not actually literally a huge part of you as in there's a child inside you, <laughs> but more like a childlike energy that makes you feel alive or makes you feel that although you've physically grown and are now probably an adult, that you still feel like a kid at heart. I for one know that I always say that to myself <laughs> all the time. What on earth am I talking about? Before we get into another fantastic train of thoughts, I extend my greetings to you, my dearest e and &E family. I hope that you are all keeping well. Let's do a quick little something. Imagine yourself as a child. Choose any part of your childhood, whether it was a significant part or not. Could be your early childhood, or your middle childhood, or your late childhood. Okay, so. I'm specifically imagining the eight-year-old me, and that was in my second grade, in my black, pink, and white school uniform, <laughs> with two cute little pigtails, and I was always awkwardly smiling. I still like smiling now, but not so much as awkwardly. I mean, it depends on the situation. Alright, just to check in, I hope you're picturing yourself too. Preferably to an age that you can remember. In other words, let it be a point in your childhood that you can visualize as vividly as possible. Okay, so are we there yet? Do we see ourselves? Do we picture ourselves? Great. Now let's ponder on these next few questions. As the child that you pictured yourself, number one, what were your needs? Number two, more importantly, do you feel like they were met? Number three, what were your likes? Number four, more importantly, do you feel like they were considered? Moving on to number five, what were your dislikes? Number six, what made you uncomfortable? And then number seven, how did you communicate that? Or did you even bother to? And the last one, number eight, what were your fears then 
that you still have now. Hmm. So, why these questions? Why all this visualizing? The point of this is certainly not to incite a pity party. Everyone had a different childhood, some more joyful than others, some more traumatic than others. Some can't even recall their childhood. So yes, mixed feelings around the block for this one, I know. But worry not, this is an essential exercise for the topic at hand. Remember that one of the primary aims of this podcast is to hopefully heighten your sense of self-awareness. So if you look back to all the episodes we've had so far, I hope you can tell where I'm going with this. I hope you can see my approach is mainly centered around the self and how we can target to reach a certain level of self-awareness. By getting you to provoke, but not really provoke, the inner you step by step, and in various ways. We're mostly going to take baby steps, of course, and this will be from a psychological point of view. I mean, my field is psychology, so we're going to take this from a mainly psychological point of view. This topic of the inner child can also be perceived as a continuation from the previous topic of attachment styles in the sense that the inner mechanisms of the child are brought to the fore. So the inner child topic then takes things a little further by highlighting the significance of the childhood stage, you know, the characteristics that signify the stage of life and the possible wounds that were formed. So as we can all tell, The focus is mainly on the child. Through deep and sometimes painful reflections, we can understand things better, understand ourselves better, and therefore be more aware of our actions and thoughts going forward. Regarding the eight questions that I'd asked a little earlier, parents and caregivers are to a certain extent accountable for their detection of their child's needs and therefore their response to these needs. Let's consider the child's personality, the child's temperament, the caregiver's personality, the caregiver's temperament, the actual household settings and the atmosphere there, the socioeconomic status of the household, the community around them can also play a role, peers, of course, and there's genetic influences too. So when you inherit certain traits from biological parents, and, 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 the story goes on and on and on. There are various factors to be considered in this topic. But as I mentioned in the previous episode, playing the blame game doesn't help or fix anything. Anyways, here's an actual definition of the inner child. About time, right? About time. This definition is taken from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and here it goes. What is the inner child? This is the childlike, usually hidden, part of a person's personality that is characterized by playfulness, spontaneity, and creativity, usually accompanied by anger, hurt, and fear attributable to childhood experiences. I really like this definition, hence I quoted it word for word. I'd like for us, though, to break it down to get an even clearer understanding. 
looking at different components of the definition. Firstly, let's look at the term childlike. This is basically referring to goofy, cute qualities that relate to a child, such as innocence, curiosity, and living in the present. Well, these are not necessarily goofy, but you know what I mean. There's certain goofiness about children. It's so adorable. But there's something also so amazing about anything that is childlike. Remember, there's a difference between childlike and childish. Childish is more on the negative, nagging, noisy side. But childlike, there's, you know, there's an innocence. There's a certain grace about that. Moving on to the second part. And this was when they talked about the usually hidden part of one's personality. We say that it's hidden because the personality mirrors the child that we once were. So kind of like the thoughts and the beliefs that we internalized about ourselves, about our emotions, relationships as children. So we say it's the hidden parts because these things are the ones that we internalized and that subconsciously are still there, even now, with us as adults. And then we move on to playfulness. I mean, play is very important as a child. You know, even as an adult, it's important to play, to have fun, to let loose. Um, so a child learns to engage with the world around him or her and ignite their imagination and creativity. And I mean, it's fun. It's fun. Yay! And then we have spontaneity. This promotes social and emotional health and a subjective sense of control and a solid, solid sense of belonging. So we say subjective sense of control because as an individual, one is aware that there are certain things they can control and they have to let go of what is beyond their control. Simple as that. And then a sense of belonging is, you know, being so carefree, loving life and... Yay! And connecting with the outside world in order to create that, you know, that sense of community because you can't really feel like you belong if there's no community. And, you know, just a side note, side note, I wish I was a little bit more spontaneous than I actually am, but... I feel like my mind gets a sense of peace when I plan ahead and have things organized rather than just doing things off the bat like that. But shout out, shout out to everybody out there that is spontaneous. I look up to you guys. I really do. <laughs> really. And now for the final part of the definition. Remember, we're breaking it down in order to get a clearer understanding. And the phrase is accompanied by anger. Hurt and fear attributable to childhood experiences. Now, bingo, 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 bingo. That is where our focus will be. The not-so-comfortable side of childhood experiences that had left over some wounds, some fears, or that had made us believe false things about ourselves, which surprisingly we may even believe till this day. Another important thing I need to point out is that there is no precise age that your inner child should be. Some have a younger inner child than others, and that's why I asked you to imagine yourself as a child earlier. It could be at any age that you remember, but specifically one that you remember better. I believe it should be a time when you can recall how some experiences made you feel, or a time when you remember the meanings of life you began to form, 
the self-concept you created. And that's why I personally chose to imagine the time that I was eight years old. The self-concept, by the way, is basically your beliefs about yourself, the things that you know and you believe about yourself. And it's very important to go back to what you did know and believe about yourself as a child. It's very interesting to see what your whatever your old self had to say about that. I want us to note, however, that the inner child isn't just limited to that kid we felt we were at a specific age during our childhood, but this is the child we carry within ourselves. So the same way that, this is what I believe, the same way that we all have a mind, body, spirit, and soul, we also have an inner child. So it's not just the feeling attached to what you were as a child, but the beliefs that you had, the responses you have right now towards situations that maybe trigger um, the way that you saw yourself. So it's deeper than just the feeling. People generically refer to their inner child and sometimes, you know, not even aware that they're doing so. Let's say you take an adult to a theme park. Like here in Johannesburg, there's Gold Reef City. All sorts of fun things to do, but roller coasters in particular are said to awaken the inner child for our more adventurous fellows, of course. You know, you hear phrases like, oh, I feel like a child again, or I haven't felt like this in ages, you know? (laughs) You get the idea. All right. Yes. No. Maybe. Okay. So let's just enjoy the ride, but not the roller coaster one though. This one is in the episode. Yes. Yes. On a more serious note, the inner child is important because it helps us reflect onto earlier wounds without being hard on ourselves or judging ourselves or criticizing ourselves. It is a way of getting a constructive understanding about our natural joys as well as our wounds. I refer to constructive understanding as a deep understanding that paves way for eventual improved behavior. So step number one is realizing and step number two is working towards getting better. So with all this said, let us look at a few ways that the inner child can be wounded or hurt. We're going to look at three common forms of neglect. Firstly, physical, secondly, emotional, and thirdly, psychological. So, physical. Each child needs to feel a sense of safety and have access to adequate nourishment. These are basic yet significant human needs, but these may sometimes lack due to different households and their economic, socioeconomic statuses. Another major issue that can threaten the security of the child within the household is sexual abuse. This is a serious matter that can damage the way one views themselves or feels about their body, perhaps even for the rest of their lives. Therefore, some effects of physical neglect are low self-esteem, eating disorders, self-harm, violent behavior, and sexual dysfunction. Some of these things we can see there and then while the child is still young, and some of these things gradually will be displayed in their behavior. Now we look at emotional neglect. This is when not enough interest is shown when the child expresses him or herself. Inadequate attention is given to the child's emotional needs for love, respect, support, 
warmth, encouragement. This is important whether the support is in little things such as cleaning up after themselves or even bigger things such as winning a sports tournament. At this stage, some learn to mask and suppress their emotions, either because the caregiver does not pay attention or create a platform that the child feels comfortable enough to speak up. Emotional wounds can come in the form of, for example, guilt wounds. So this is when one feels excessive feelings of guilt and may even use that guilt to manipulate others. By this, I mean that one may have excessive guilt and in order to maybe share that guilt or in order to use that guilt to their advantage, they use someone else's sympathy. You know, they twist the story and use someone's sympathy in order to get that person onto their side and to support them in whatever the matter is. Next, we've got abandonment wounds. So this is feeling left out or the fear of being left out or cannot deal with being alone, right? So this is more in the case that a caregiver was not present in important moments of the child's life and it now left that fear of being left alone, right? Or when they have to be left alone, it just brings back harrowing memories, right? Maybe something happened when they were left alone. So... The next wound I'm going to discuss under the emotional wound is the trust wound. And this is any fear of getting hurt. And therefore, there's a difficulty in trusting themselves or others and generally does not feel safe. You know, so this this sense of anxiety, whether it's attached to something or not. Right. And this could be as a result of the caregiver not being there for them, not feeling like they can trust the caregiver with what it, for whatever reason, or even in their school setting, wherever it had happened, what they feel like they were so hurt that they don't really trust anyone. They view the world as this really cold, really cruel place, and that it's not really a place that they would want to, or they would have the platform to confide in anyone regarding any uncomfortable things. So there we go. Those were three emotional wounds. There's so many other wounds, but I just wanted to highlight these three. Emotional neglect can have effects such as low self-worth, repressing emotions, ignoring one's own emotional needs, depression, anxiety, and even shunning emotional closeness or intimacy. I then move on to psychological neglect. And this is where the child's caregivers did not quite listen. They were not very nurturing or embracing of the fact that the child is an amazing human being. I mean, I personally find this so unfortunate because every single human being is a wonder to be celebrated, to tell a story, a unique story. So when, when there's a psychological neglect, this obviously is detrimental to the self-concept, what the child knows and believes about themselves. You obviously want, as a child, you want a parent that will not speak down on you. 
You want a parent that sees so much greatness in you so that you believe that you are full of greatness. The psychological neglect can take place through name-calling, ridiculing, yelling, and making threats. And this can happen whether it's in the household or even outside of the household, at school, among peers. And the harrowing effects, this will obviously have harrowing effects such as lack of respect for others or even lack of respect for themselves, low self-esteem, inability to love themselves, appreciate themselves, and problems sustaining healthy relationships as they grow up, you know. So we see these things, these effects, not only when the child, you know, there and then as the child, but as the child grows up. And just like that, we're almost at the end of the episode. The bigger question, though, is that, is the inner child real? Is the inner child even real? Is it? Is it really? What do you think after this episode? Could you accept it as a reality for you personally? Or does it all sound too, I don't know, childlike? Okay, so on a serious note, If one wants to comprehensively attend to the inner child wounds, this can be done through a more long-term process with the aid of a qualified therapist. All I can do currently is bring these matters to your attention. Start off with a conversation at least. Today we uncovered what the inner child is and focused on the wounds of the inner child. Therefore, it makes sense to me, and I hope to you too, to then talk about how to cultivate self-love for yourself and subsequently for your inner child too. Or in other words, how to reparent yourself, how to be a parent to yourself again. We say reparent because we speak of the inner child. It's still a child. A child needs a parent But then, because now you're more aware of those wounds, you are able to reparent yourself. Be that parent that you feel like you didn't really have. Be that parent that you feel like never really catered to your emotional needs, your physical needs, your psychological needs, maybe even spiritual needs. I mean, each child is different. Each child has different needs. So there's a way for you to reparent yourself. But that's all for the next episode. So make sure to check that out. But in the meantime, continue to take very, very good care of yourselves. And always, always put yourself first. From Express and Encompass, from me to you, not only is it okay to express yourself, but it is essential. Thank you for listening.